Has God been good to you? Okay. All right. Even when it doesn't look that way, right? We can still say he's good. Um, a couple weeks ago, I shared a message with you on restoration. Uh, I've, I've received, a, man, many of you have given me uh, feedback, uh, encouragement. Uh, you've thanked me. Uh, and I just want to say it's, you know what, if I had planned it, I wouldn't have anything to give you. But it's by God's grace and what he does in our lives that we can come up and give God's word to you every week, right? No matter what pastor may come up, we're coming from a place where we have experienced, where we have learned, where the Lord has taught us, where the Lord has humbled us. Whatever it may be, okay, I want you to know that when God's word speaks to our hearts, um, it's so that you and I would take that word, grow from it, learn from it. Amen? But one of the things I mentioned a couple weeks ago that is so important for us to do is to share it, right? We need to share our stories. Share your story. Uh, every single one of us has a story of restoration, of healing, right? Right? And so we have a story to tell about God's goodness in our life. You may not be on a side of it where you feel that you're completely healed, well, God doesn't say that you have to be there in order to share your story. You may be in the process. You may be in the journey right now. How many of you feel like you're in the journey right now? Okay. You feel like, Pastor, I'm like right in the middle of it, right? Some of us might feel like, Pastor, I feel like this just hit me and it's just started. And I don't even know what to do next, right? But every single one of us has a story to tell of what God is doing in our lives. For some of us, it might just be the fact that you got here today. And, and that's part of what I want to share today is this is kind of like a part two of uh, a couple weeks ago. If you didn't catch it, I want to encourage you to go uh, listen, not because it was me. Okay, I always encourage people to listen to the word and catch up if they missed a Sunday or something. But if you didn't catch it um, and you're wondering what it is I'm talking about, uh, last two weeks ago, I uh, shared a message. And uh, the title of that message was, you know, that there's beauty in our brokenness. Um, that even as we're broken, God can use that, um, and God can take that brokenness and make it beautiful again. Amen? Uh, I used an illustration of a Japanese art called uh, Kitsugi, if I'm hopefully pronouncing that correctly. I don't know if how many of you were here and remember, uh, but the Japanese art of Kitsugi is where they take uh, pottery that has broken and they put it back together, but what they use to mend it and put it back together with usually is gold or silver or even platinum. And so even through our brokenness, God can use that. Amen? God can use that. Even through the process of being restored, God, God can use that. Right? Right? And so today, um, amen, there is purpose. That, Miss Carla, man, I wish I had a free gift for you this morning to give you. <laughs> Somebody was listening. Um, yeah, it was, it was a part of what I was saying is that, you know, we don't, none of us want to go through pain just to go through pain, Right? You know, how many of you work out, right? Okay, go ahead, raise your hand if you want to, that's fine. You know, trying to, like, make me feel bad. Um, but most of us, one of the things we think about before we work out is the pain that we're going to feel in the next couple of days, right? Right? And so we're like, man, it hurts, right? And it's painful, but we know that there's a purpose to that pain. Isn't that true? 
There's a purpose to that pain. Who wants to receive pain or have pain inflicted on them without any purpose behind it, without any reason for it? No, none of us want that. But that's part of the beauty in our brokenness is that we can see, sometimes not right away, sometimes not right away, sometimes not immediately, but through the process, maybe at the end of it. And you know what? Even if we never see why God did something, it might not have even been for us. Have you ever thought about that? There's things that we might, that God may allow. Okay, I'll say that one more time. There are things that we go through that God may allow us to go through. And it's not necessarily for you and I. It may be because he wants to speak to somebody else's life. We don't know God's reasons or mysteries most of the time. Because that's what they kind of feel like and look like to us. But uh, today, what I want to lean into is the idea of, being in a place that can sometimes be a little difficult to be in. And that's being in a place between hope and truth. Between Everybody say between hope and truth. Okay? Um, and that could mean so many things, and I'm going to try to bring some of those out for us today. Some of us have started new habits this year. Some of us are taking on new things that we are hoping, right, will help us. We've started reading more, or we've started exercising more, or we're creating boundaries in our life because we want to protect our lives. We want, we want to protect the work that God is doing in our lives, so we've created boundaries and all these things that we can start to do in our lives on a daily, weekly basis we are looking at them and saying, well, I hope this works, right? Starting a new savings plan. Maybe you're looking to buy a home. Maybe you're looking to buy a car or pay for college. And you're saying, I, I hope this works. One day I hope to be somewhere, right? One day I hope to be not where I'm at today, but in a different place, in a better place, or in a greater place. Anybody, anybody feeling what I'm saying right now? Yeah? Are you with me? Is everybody with me? In the spiritual sense of between hope and truth is that a lot of times we may come to God's house, be encouraged, be inspired, be motivated. You ever left church and just felt like nothing could mess it up? You ever felt like, man, I'm on such a spiritual high today. I don't need nothing else, right? I don't need no drugs. I don't need no drinking. I don't need nothing. No partying. I, I feel Jesus so much today. Come on, hit me with something. You even come out saying like, come on, give me your best shot, right? You got the song playing in the back of your head. Yeah. See, I'll tell you, somebody already had it over here, Pastor Nana. Going to lead us and hit me with your best shot. I'm kidding. But you come out sometimes feeling, you know, so motivated and encouraged, right? But then we hit Monday or maybe even just walking in the door or maybe even getting in our car and receiving a text or a phone call where all of a sudden what we felt starts to come down a little bit. I call that reality sometimes, a reality check. But here's, here's where I don't want you to be discouraged, but I want you to be encouraged is that what you and I receive from the Lord is a great opportunity and a great resource so that when those things come into our life, when the enemy starts to bring the temptation back, 
When the enemy starts to take our minds back to that place where we were at before we came to church. Looking for something, hoping for something. Maybe some of us just come out of routine and I hope you change that or you ask the Lord to change that. And you don't come out of routine, but you come wanting to give to God from the very depth of your heart. Are you kind of following with me? That it would not become something that's just, oh, this is just part of what our family does. But that it would be because you want to come give God your best. Because you want to come and have a little huddle, a spiritual huddle on Sunday so that you can go out on Monday and hit the game hard. You follow, you follow what I'm saying? Because the enemy is not going to stop just because you and I came to church and we got full. We refueled, right? We got ready and we feel pumped. And we got psyched up by the coach, Pastor Josh, Pastor Isaac, Pastor Koba, whoever comes up, encourages us, uh, encourages us through the word in such a way that we feel like, man, nothing's going to penetrate this right now. I got all of God's armor on. I put it all on today, Pastor. I'm leaving ready, right? The enemy's not going to stop shooting his darts, his arrows at you and I. He's going to keep going, especially when he sees that we're trying really hard. We're doing our best. We're pushing through something. He's going to come and bring those discouragements to our life. So being between hope and truth in some ways looks like you and I coming, being hopeful to what God is going to continue to do. But then sometimes we come home and there's reality. There's truth. Or at least I just like to say, and I'll say today, it's truth with a small lowercase t. Okay, now do you see where I'm going with this? Okay. It's truth with the small lowercase t that sometimes we focus too much on. That sometimes we spend too much time trying to solve, fix, resolve. And God is saying to us, you need to put your ultimate trust in me who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life with a capital T. Do you follow where I'm going with this? That he is the truth that you and I need in our lives. That when we're looking at what we might think is our reality that is discouraging us, he is saying, no, that's not what I've called you to walk in or to live in. I want you to walk in my truth, in my reality, that nothing can change or separate you from. That nothing can discourage you from if you allow me to be truth with a capital T at the center of your life. Okay? Go ahead. Don't leave her alone. Yes. Not for me. It ain't doing nothing for me. I'm just. So let me, let me take a quick pause because I just remembered something. Um, man, I, I, I'm going to try to do a book a month, okay, if I can this year. It's not even like a goal I set up at the beginning of the year, you know, read one book a month. I didn't do that, but I've been on a roll lately, and everybody's been asking, what's the next book, Pastor Joe? What's the next book? <laughs> uh, and Pastor Josh even said, hey, is that something you want to do? Like, it's awesome, man. We're getting a lot of feedback. A lot of folks are liking that. So, so, and some of you have come and said, hey, I bought that book. I bought this. I bought the workbook to go along with it. That's amazing. Uh, don't ever replace any reading with God, for, you know, and stop reading God's word. I don't want you to do that. God's word has to be at the center of our lives, and that's part of what I'm going to have you walk away with today before we leave, some practical things that you and I can do, amen, to continue in this journey and on this road of being restored, okay, of being renewed, amen? So really quick, 
um, the, the latest that I've been on, I haven't even finished it yet. Um, I'm on chapter three on this one. Uh, is a book by a pastor, amazing communicator, leader, and uh, his name is Erwin Raphael McManus. Um, he's of Salvadorian descent. Doesn't sound that way, huh, that, with that name. But um, he has an amazing story. Uh, he leads a, a massive um, church movement, uh, Oasis. They're like their main churches in the heart of Hollywood. And uh, they have another location in Pasadena. I believe they have a location in Venice. And then they have a location up in uh, Washington somewhere. I'm not sure if it's in Seattle. but um, And uh, another one in Mexico City. And he writes this book. His, this is his most recent uh, book that just came out. And it's called Mind Shift. Mind Shift. Uh, if you really want to be challenged, okay, pick it up. If you think maybe I'm not ready for that yet, because so far... Uh, this is really, really challenging me uh, just as a person. And the way I look at my perspective, uh, my thinking, um, it's really challenging me. And I love because what I love about it is that he's using years and years of experience that he's gone through. He's like, um, he also does a lot of life coaching on the side, but he's like in realms and circles that are like off the charts. Like he talks about, you know, uh, the Rams coach, McVeigh, um, and different other uh, Fortune 500 companies where the CEOs will reach out to him for leadership direction. Can you believe that from a pastor? Uh, so when you hear it like that, you're kind of like, wow. Uh, but he's, he's in these major circles, and he's, he has a lot of influence. But his, his way of thinking and talking about how God's brought him to where he's at now um, it's pretty amazing, and for him to put it in such a simple, it's a very simple reading, okay? It's very simple reading, very motivating, but it's very challenging. Um, it's one of those things where you read it, and you're like, okay, I need to write some of this down that I'm going to try to work on and apply for my life, you know, like in little nuggets at a time. It's hard to, like, just say, this is going to be me now, okay? I'm shifting my mind. So it, it says, it doesn't take a genius to think like one. Uh, so it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So that's my latest um, just for anybody who's interested, because I know some of you have said you enjoy some of the stuff we've put out there. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a resource table. Uh, after our leadership summit, or during our leadership summit, we provided a bunch of resources and books. Amazing reading for all our leadership. And uh, we have some of those books still, so we want to put them out for you to also come and browse, peruse, and just kind of see what you might, might pique your interest. So look for that in the next week. Okay, next week we're going to have it out. Uh, for you guys, uh, for our church body to purchase if you're interested in, in uh, getting some great reading. Amen? So, back after that commercial, we're back. Okay? Um, all this just to encourage us. Okay? All this just to encourage us. So, as we're going through this today, I'm going to ask that you open up your Bible to chapter 9 of the book of Acts. And I just want to say, Pastor Nena and her leaning into the direction and the... Uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit, you know, the songs and even the passage uh, coming out of the same book, not the same chapter, but same book to me is always like the Lord saying like, you know, I have this day um, ordained already for many people and for me and for me. But I was encouraged to be in the worship and just be like, Lord, the way you orchestrate things, the way you put things together, we didn't plan this. I wish we could have. I wish I could say that we, 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 we get down to the nitty-gritty, like somebody once said, okay? And uh, 
we get everything organized in such a way that, you know, the worship pastor and the songs they select or she selects and, um, you know, the verse she's going to read is all lining up with the message. We didn't even plan this, so I'm just like, right now, I'm, I'm even like in my own head right now, like, wow, just like floating around in like outer space, like, Jesus, okay. Is everybody at Acts chapter 9? I'm going to be reading from uh, the NIV. Acts chapter 9 gives us a wonderful account um, of Paul, okay, who we know as St. Paul, Paul the Apostle, and many knew him as Saul, or um, Saul of Tarsus, where he was from, before Jesus came into his life and transformed and gave him a different perspective, gave him a different purpose. He was an angry, passionate, zealous man. But what he thought was his call and his life and his purpose in life, God came to say, that's not what I have in store for you and that's not what I've called you to. And so in this account of Acts chapter 9, I kind of enjoyed it because it was exactly what I kind of was envisioning and praying about in this message and being between hope and truth. Because he comes to a point in his life when God interrupts, when God interrupts his mission, what he felt was his purpose, what he felt he was called to do and put on this earth to do. And God comes and interrupts that and completely shifts it. And I just was like, man, Lord, I had never really looked at it from this angle or from this view that you were doing something with Paul that is similar to the idea of being between hope and truth. There was a desire that he had in his heart, a passion that he had in his heart to do something that he thought was what God had called him to do, as I've already said. But then there was this truth that Jesus brought into his life. When he encountered the Lord on this road to Damascus, everybody with me? And he comes to know him as truth for his life. And everything in that moment, in my opinion, in that exact moment when we're going to read right now, but I'm giving you a little bit extra. When Jesus comes to him and says, why are you persecuting me? Before he can even answer, before he can do anything else, I believe that in that moment he understood, he realized and recognized that everything he was doing up to that point was wrong. He had it all wrong. And at the same time, so can, have you ever had a moment where all these thoughts and all these feelings kind of just came crashing in? Has that ever happened to you? And in an instant, you realized, man, I messed up. Does that ever happen? And you're like, dang it, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? You ever done that? And I believe that in this moment, he also comes to understand and realize and know the truth of who this Lord was to be the actual Messiah whom he thought he was still waiting for, hadn't come yet. Do you get where I'm going? And so he has all these things converge in this particular moment 
of his time. And to me, it's like this happened in a matter of seconds. That's just my opinion. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But you guys ready to read it? Okay. And then we're going to have communion after the message. So I want to invite you to that. Beginning in verse 3. As he neared Damascus. Is everybody there? Verse 3. Verse 3. Let me make sure I'm, I'm, yeah, I got the NIV. All right. As he neared Damascus, on his journey, everybody say journey. You and I are on a journey, okay, as well. On his journey, it says, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him. All right, I don't know how many of you attended Sunday school as a child. But when I was growing up, they told us he was on a horse. Okay, the passage mentions nothing about a horse. I don't know where we got that from. I don't know why my Sunday school teacher had little felt characters. Do you remember those? That would stick on the felt piece of fabric, right? And they had Paul on a horse. Anyways, it was nothing like that. All it says is that he fell to the ground. See how we are? We like to add our own uh, imagination to the narrative. Sometimes it just makes it funner. (laughs) He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, And, you know, sometimes I wonder if it was even a strong, aggressive voice. And sometimes I wonder if as he's laying there on the ground, it actually came in a more peaceful, still Saul. Saul. Why do you persecute me? I almost feel like in that moment, Jesus had to come in a soft whisper. Because maybe all he had heard up to then were powerful, loud, aggressive voices in his head and in his heart. That Jesus needed to make sure he would get his attention in a different way. So that he would know that this was his Lord. That this was his Savior. That this was his shepherd. That this was his healer. That this was now the one who would bring salvation and transformation and restoration to his life. Why do you persecute me? And then he responds, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. Whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city. And you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Isn't that amazing? He's probably thinking, I'm just glad you guys heard it too. You think I'm crazy. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, watch this. This was cool. Wow. Cool reading. Not cool that it happened. But when he opened his eyes, what does it say? When he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. 
right? When he opened his eyes, he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. Have you ever, ha- have you ever felt helpless in your life? Have you ever felt like you couldn't get out of the situation you found yourself in life? Have you ever felt like nobody knew what you were going through, nobody could understand what you were going through, but you're the type of person that's always been in control. You're the type of person that's always been able to fix whatever the problem was. Can you imagine, here's a man who is a teacher of teachers, had memorized probably the Old Testament. He was a scholar of the Hebrew text, could argue with anybody who called themselves a believer in Jesus Christ and make them look as if they were speaking heresy so that they would then be tried before a tribunal, before a council, before judges, to then be either imprisoned or killed because they were followers of Christ. The guy was brilliant. He was a genius. He really was. So here's Paul now. Do you see how God will sometimes get our our attention in such a way that you and I find ourselves in a place where we say, I have no control over this situation. I don't even know what to do next. Even even if I tried, I'd probably make it worse. So here's Paul now, this strong, zealous, passionate, brilliant man being walked by his buddies because he had no way of seeing where he was going. Oh, man. Check this out. Saul gets up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. For three days. I don't know if you've caught this before, but he says, for three days, he was blind. For three days, he didn't know what was going to be the fate of his sight in the future. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see how all this stuff that's going on with Paul? Do you see how being between hope and truth kind of gets all blurred and mixed up, and he's probably wondering, what in the world is happening to me right now? What is going on? This voice has come from heaven, is speaking to me and telling me that I need to do these certain things, specific things. Everything about the days that would follow are now uncertain to him. Because here's a man who had every single day, Every single week, every single year for the rest of his life probably planned out. He had his goals set. He had his mission set. He knew where he was going, and he knew what he was doing. He had a plan for his life. Do any of us have plans for our life? Did we have a plan for our life at one point where we thought, this is it, this is what I'm going to do, but then God got a hold of you and I and said, no, I'm going to do different in your life. I'm bringing different to your life. I'm bringing different to your heart. You're going to love in a way that you've never been loved before. You're going to give in a way that you've never given before. You're going to learn how to trust in a way that you've never trusted before. Because you've been hurt. You've been in pain. You've been backstabbed. You've been talked about. You've been abused. You've been through it. But I'm going to do something in your life that you never expected could be done. 
I'm going to do something so great in your life that you never thought or saw coming, and you never even understood that something could be possible to happen in your life. Has that ever been you? Man, I don't, I don't, some of you, I don't even know if. <laughs> so here's a man who had it all figured out. He had it figured out. I've told you the story. I was a senior in high school. I had it all figured out. I was going to be an underwater welder someday. I was. I spoke this message and this, and this story for Brother Manuel Campos' funeral because he was a welder. He was a man that created with his hands, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to come. I didn't even know what the Port of Los Angeles looked like. I saw it in a video from my teacher, Mr. Robinson. I still remember him. He, I thought he was the coolest guy on the planet. Taught me how to weld, taught me how to use a lathe. I mean, we were building stuff. We had a three-hour block of machining and welding my senior year. I was having fun. I was having the time of my life. I said, this is what I was made for. Some of you are probably saying, Pastor, you should have done that instead. <laughs> Everybody that laughed right now, I know it's you. <laughs> but God said, you know, God shut down the school that I was enrolled in. Phoenix Institute of Technology had been around for like 50 years. And all of a sudden, these guys came to my house. Only for three months later to get a, a letter that said, sorry, you ain't coming here. You're going to have to find another school to go to. I saw myself making some buco dinero. I was going to be under them shit. I saw that, and I said, that's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. And lo and behold, God called me into the ministry. And check this out. This is what's different. This is what's so cool about God. If you haven't noticed a pattern of how God works in your life, ask him to open your eyes, your spiritual eyes. Because here I was thinking I was coming to the port of Los Angeles to be a welder, right? Right? And then God said, no, I'm going to call you into the ministry. So he brings me out of this little uh, town of agriculture, Yuma, Arizona. He brings me to Alley B.I., the city of La Puente. Manny Rodriguez, it's good to see you today, brother, by the way. Um, he's one of our representatives with our district, um, which is right next door to the Bible school. And, and then... And then God says, I'm going to bring you to the port. And I still didn't even know what the port was or what the culture was like out here. I was a, I was a kid from a small town. And God brought me out here, gave me a calling on my life. Been here 25 plus, 27 years now at the mission. And I look back on it now, I look back and back at every single step, every single moment. I couldn't have planned that. If you had told me that, I would have been like, no, I don't want to be a preacher. If I was still 17 years old and you told me this is I'd be up here. Oh, man, did we lose batteries? No? Can you guys hear me? I'll keep going. No, it's still green, Dylan. I don't know what happened. But there it is. I think it just lost signal. The devil. <laughs> he didn't want me to tell you my story. 
It wasn't even part of my message. That's probably why. Lord is saying, get back on track, Joe. And so God works in our lives in certain ways for each and every one of us. And I've noticed in my life the pattern that he does. And when I look back on the things that he does and I go back to this year, to that year, to who I met here, to who I met there, I see that God orchestrated the whole thing. God is doing the same thing and he does the same thing in every one of our lives every single day. Everybody that you run into, let me tell you right now, everybody that you run into is not a coincidence. There's a reason why you meet the people you meet. There's a reason why you come and you go to the places you go to. Sometimes it's even out of disobedience and rebelliousness that we find ourselves in places that we don't need to be in. But I'll tell you right now, if you start talking to people, you soon find out why it is that God had you there. If you start looking back on those things and on those moments, you start to realize there was a reason why God allowed me to be there at that time on that day. There's certain things in my life that I look back and I say, I should have never been there, me, but I see what God did with that. And I see what God taught me with that. Do you see where I'm going with this? So here's Paul. He had a plan. He was on his way to Damascus, but for other purposes and for other reasons. He was on a mission to make sure he got rid of every single person who was calling themselves of the way, a follower of Jesus Christ. Now he's blind, blinded for three days. And I'm guessing what's going through his head is what's next? What am I going to do? What is this all about? What's going on? I can't do anything. For three days he was blind. And then it says, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him. Excuse me. The Lord called him in a vision. Everybody reading with me? I hope you're following along. If not, I mean, I think you could have done something better with your time this morning. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go, watch this, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. That would have been another cool title, you know that? Get to Straight Street, because the street you're on today is all crooked and jacked up. <laughs> I'm going to save that one. Somebody make a note of that. Go to Judas's house on Straight Street. Everybody there? And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. Oh, see, I thought he was just sitting around, though. I thought he was just waiting for something to happen. Oh, what a lesson can we find in that right there. When we find ourselves in a place where we say, Lord, I don't know what to do next. Lord, I don't know, the plans that I have, you've completely changed them. You've brought me into a situation that I am completely unaware of. What am I doing here today? I think it's a great opportunity for you and I to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to fast. They didn't say he was fasting, but it says that he was praying for the past three days. Did you see that? He said he found him and he had been praying. So now he says, 
Go to the house. Find this man named Saul of Tarsus, for he is praying. In a vision, in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Oh, Lord. Lord, Ananias answered. I know this guy you're talking about. <laughs> I've heard about this guy you're talking about. You're asking me to go talk to who? There must be a mistake. It must be somebody else with not such a bad reputation. He's probably thinking, what do you say to me up for? This, he's probably thinking like you and I, you know what I would say? This ain't the Lord's a devil. He's trying to kill me. He's trying to take me to talk to this guy about Jesus. He's going to kill me. But then he says, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument. God is saying to you and I, okay, watch. Watch what's happening here. Let's look at the whole story because God is still doing a work in Saul's life. He's not been fully restored yet. He's not been fully transformed yet. He hasn't been fully healed yet. He's still in the middle of his blindness. He's still in the middle of his mess. Do you get where I'm going with this? The mess that he created, the reputation that he now has in the different cities and provinces and regions of who he is and what he does, God hasn't even begun to finish with him yet. Do you see where I'm going with this? But yet God calls Saul his instrument. Today, you may be here thinking, who am I? What have I done there is no hope for me, or who can I go and speak to about Jesus, Pastor? Who can I go and tell about my story? They're not going to listen to me. Those people know me. They know my past. Well, I'm here to tell you today that if you've come here, if you've come here today, and it was hard for you to get here, because I know some of you have shared with me how hard it was to get here. There was a purpose and a reason why you and I are here today. And that even when we're stuck in that place between hope and truth in our lives, the hope that there's salvation, that there's healing, that there's something that God has for us, but then there's a reality that we live in every day, I'm here to tell you that there is no coincidence that you are here. God is going to do a work in your life. But above all that, God sees you as his instrument. God sees you as his forgiven son or daughter today. It doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. Man, this is great. And he says, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Wow. So Ananias goes to the house. He enters it. He places his hands on Saul. <laughs> oh, man. He places his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
we opened up with the song today, and I told the worship team, you guys don't have to come out and sing another song at the end. We got communion. But I don't know, man. The Lord's stirring up my heart, and I know to sing that song again, that first one. Well, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. Not yet, not yet. Are you getting excited with me, though? Here's, here's what I'm getting excited about. Here's what I'm getting really excited about. God has been putting people on your heart lately. God has been putting somebody on your heart. And you've been feeling, ah, I need to call so-and-so. I need to call Chela. God's been putting on your heart to call your boy. And you've been wondering why. See, God may not always talk to us in visions and dreams like he did in this situation. But the Holy Spirit begins to tug at our heart. The Holy Spirit, and you know what happens sometimes? We ignore it, and we ignore it. And then guess who we get a text or a call from all of a sudden? So God says to you and I, I'm going to make this happen one way or another. You're either going to listen to me now, and you're going to go, and you're going to do it, right? Or I'm going to have them come to you. But one way or another, this is going to happen. Because I have a plan in yours and his life. I have a plan that you are my instrument, and I want to use you to bring others to the knowledge of the truth that can heal you, transform you, take you from just hoping to believing in the truth that is Jesus Christ. Do you see why I got excited about this today? I can get excited about what God does because when I begin to hear and see the patterns that God uses in our lives... I say, okay, Lord, I see what you're doing. When I begin to see faces I haven't seen in a long time, I say, okay, Lord, revival's happening in here right now. Revival's happening in here, and it's going to begin to spill out out here. And the ones that are next to me are going to be like those charcoals that I like to put on my grill on Super Bowl Sunday when I'm getting ready to put down a ribeye, when I'm getting to put down some New York. I'm sorry if you're not a meat eater. So sorry right now. I don't mean to offend you. Try to put down that tofu on the grill. (laughs) You know what I had yesterday for the first time? And I loved it. Try to remember what it was called real quick. Taho? Is that right? How do you say it? It's, It's a custard, and it's a really traditional Filipino dessert. Not taro, okay? Corey, do you know what I'm talking about? Is it taho? Taho. Man, that was good. You know what it was like? It was kind of like flan. It was. Same texture, the same kind of caramel, close enough, okay? I love flan. Some of you guys don't like, you know, textures like that and grosses you out. Man, it was so good. I was enjoying my time. I took Liam to a little... Birthday party, one of his friends. Woo, I had all kinds of stuff. They had a roast pig on the table like that big. The dad said, give me, give me the butcher block. Give me the knife. Let me, let me chop this up. I was waiting on the sideline over here. I didn't want to look like, you know. And as soon as he said, hey, you want some lechon? I said, yeah, I want some lechon. Because I remember in the book of Acts, <laughs> Jesus laid it out. He said, why do you call unclean what I've made clean? Right? That's all this is about today. 
is that Jesus has called each and every one of us his instrument. He has transformed and he has brought salvation to our lives through him at the cross so that you and I, not focusing on who we are, what we've been, what we've done, where we were going, but to learn to focus on him and find truth in him and find hope in him, a hope that's everlasting, a hope that nobody can shake in our lives, that's what he wants you and I to get a hold of today. Because, man, life is hard. Life is ugly sometimes, and I've seen it. Every single one of us here has experienced it in one way or another. Then God comes and steps in, and he says, hey, I got something for you. Then God comes and steps in, and he says, hey, when you find yourself in that area where you know there's hope, but you also know there's reality, but then he says, hey, but I got some truth for you. I got a life. I got a life that you can live right now as my instrument. Even if you have those spiritual scales on today, Jesus wants to come and put his hands on you. And he wants those scales to come off so that you could see from a different place, from a different perspective, just like it happened to Paul. Paul had a vision for his life, but he didn't have God's vision for his life. Today you and I can have the vision. We can have the perspective that God wants us to have from him from his perspective, to see that when there's hope that is needed, when everything else has failed, when all the boundaries, when all the tries, when all the books have failed, and we say, Lord, I've tried it all. I've read it all. I've done it all. I don't know what to do. Nothing's working. He says, give me a try. Put me at the center of your life. It says immediately. Oh, God, I wish sometimes that God would heal like that every single situation. I really do. But you know what he does do immediately? The salvation power that is at your and my hands, available for us. The moment you ask and the moment you say, Lord, I want you to come into my heart, it's like that with more power than Thanos could ever have with that gauntlet ring, rings. The same power that resurrected him from the dead is available to you and I immediately. Sometimes, though, he wants us to walk that journey of healing. Sometimes he wants us to walk that journey of restoration. There's times where he wants us to go through that so that you and I can Share that story with others and let them know that when they're struggling, when they're going through a hard time. If you're going through a hard time today, say, tell me, Pastor, I'm going through a hard time today. I want to remind you that the journey you're on, you're not alone. He's walking with you. He's walking with you. He's traveling with you. Every single step of the way. And that moment's going to come, just like it says, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Oh, man, Jesus has some spiritual food for you and I to take on our journey for what may be coming ahead. And he's saying to you and I, you need to eat of my food today so that you can regain your strength. You've been feeling weak. You've been feeling like you need strength. I got something for you today, Jesus is saying. I want to remove the scales from your... 
eyes so that you could see what it is I have for you. Because I have something great for you, church. I have something great for you, guys. I have something great for you, son. I have something great for you, daughter. He says, I have something for you that I want you to see. Let me remove the scales from your eyes. Have some of my food so that you'll never be hungry again. Have some of my drink so that you'll never be thirsty again. And you will then see what it is I have for you. Man, I said I was going to give you some practical things to take home today. And we need to do communion because we're out of time. The word of the Lord says that he will renew your and my strength if we wait upon him. You know, why don't we stand right now? I know. I know that some of us are looking down the road and it doesn't look easy. There's a long journey ahead, right? Some of us have, some of us know that the days that are coming, they're going to be tough. We lost family. We're preparing their services. We've had diagnosis of different types. And even though we find ourselves sometimes between hope and truth, With Jesus, we can always be hopeful and we can be on a foundation of truth today. And let me tell you, let me tell you, even if the situation isn't answered in the way we want it to be answered. Jesus knew we would be facing this situa these situations. He knew we would be facing hardships in life. But he said, take courage. Take courage. Allow me to be the one to bring peace in your life, no matter what it looks like on the outside. You know, they've been warning us, right, about this rain that's coming. They've been warning us. A lot of times we don't get warning signs. The attacks are going to come. We just wake up one day and boom, they're there. You don't know where the next challenge is going to come from. The amazing and powerful thing about Christ is that he can prepare your heart, he can prepare your mind to face any battle get through any difficult situation and I'm here just to remind you and encourage you that the things that are going on that are going on in our lives 
in this life, they're going to be one day like a moment in time that came and went. That's the hope we have in Christ. And one day we'll be with him and we'll say, man, Lord, what did I fuss about so much? Why was I so worried about that? You're bigger and greater than all these things. And now you've healed it all. But he says to us, until then, hold fast. Stand on my rock. Because nothing's going to shake it. And nothing's going to destroy it. And that's what I want to invite you into today, into that life. God hasn't answered all my prayers. But I know he's still God. And I know he still lives. And I know what he did on the cross for me is enough. He doesn't have to answer all my needs. Why? Because I have a life in him that I wouldn't change for anything. So if you came today and you fought hard to get here today, I want to give you a round of applause. I want to give you encouragement. And I want to say thank you to you for not giving up. So if you came today and it wasn't easy for you to come, I want to tell you that you're the hero today because God wanted you here and you didn't let anything hold you back. But you know what? For every single one of us that made it here today, there's many who did not. So we have a responsibility. Amen? Amen? Everyone has received a piece of the bread. This bread is symbolic to the body of Christ that was broken. It was broken so that you and I today would have hope. So that you and I today would have healing, restoration in our lives. The cup that you're holding represents the blood that from being broken was shed. His blood still heals today. hearts, our souls, can heal our minds, can heal our sicknesses. Today as we take this bread and as we take the cup, we can reflect on what he's done for us, but let's also reflect on what we, as we leave his house today, we leave part of his body goes and disperses and we could say Lord I want to serve you and I want to live for you you may take the bread their lives. I pray for healing upon their lives. I pray that you would restore each and every one of us to be the people, to be the instruments that you desire of us to be. 
pray, Lord, that you would continue to do the work in all of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless every one of you. Lord, be with you. We'll see you next week.